Welcome to the Bluff First Podcast. We pray that this message would encourage and enrich your life. For more information, please visit us on the web at blufffirst.com. Vision Sunday, okay, is an opportunity for us to put our glasses, man, you guys got really blurry. Some of y'all look a little better, some of y'all look a little worse with these off, but, um, but uh, you, all, you all look great, you all look fabulous. Um, but Vision Sunday is an opportunity for us to, to get our eyes right, to put our glasses on, and to know whether we're winning or not. How do you know if you're winning if you don't know what the scoreboard says, right? And so today we're looking at what God has called us to do, and we're kind of examining the scoreboard for the coming season. Maybe you've heard this old verse. We read it almost every Vision Sunday from Proverbs chapter 29. Uh, the King James says, where there is no, what's the next word? Vision. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Eugene Peterson, uh, in his paraphrase of uh, the scriptures, put that passage and, and the rest of that verse this way. He said, if people can't see what God is doing, if their vision's not right, if they can't see what God's doing, they stumble all over themselves. Y'all ever get up in the middle of the night to do something and can't see what you're doing and you forget there's an ottoman there, you forget there's a cabinet or dresser there and you're stubbing your toe on everything, you're stumbling around because you can't see. The scripture says, man, if you can't see what God's doing, that's what your life is going to be like. But when you attend to what he reveals, you see what God's doing and you do something about it, then you live in a place where you are most Blessed. I want to tell you this morning, God has a plan for your life. God has a vision for your life. And I can't tell you exactly what that is. That, that's kind of on you. Your job is to figure out, with God's help, what does God want from my life? What is, what is he saying? What is his vision? What is his plan for my life? I don't know all the details of that. I do know that part of that plan for you, uh, in knowing him, is to be a part of a life-giving, vibrant local church. God has a vision for your life, and it, I don't know all of it, but it includes being a part of a local church, and God has a vision for his local church. Uh, he has a vision for every church that gathers under his name. And so if your life includes being a part of this church in this season, uh, it's your job to figure out what God's doing in your life, but it's my job to figure out, with his help, what God's doing here and what God wants to do through us. Okay, so just to kind of let you know what to expect today, it's a different kind of Sunday. I'm going to quickly explain who we are as a church, what our mission is, what our values are here at Bluff First. And it might be new to you, and that's great. We're not going to go real deep into that. We're just going to go through it quickly. It might be review. Maybe you've heard it a thousand times. Just play along, act like you're new, and everyone will be comfortable, okay? After we talk about who we are as a church, I'm going to share a message that I feel uh, God has given uh, me for us for this season. And it's actually going to be kind of a launching point, the first week of a series we're starting, and a theme for the year. And so we're, we're going to go through that message, then we'll respond to that message, we'll sing a couple songs together, then after all of that's over, okay, my wife and I are going to share some upcoming news and events and updates, and we'll have a little fun. Can we have fun at church? Is that okay? Can we have fun? I don't know if y'all wanted to come to a funeral this morning. We're not going to have a funeral, okay? Jesus is alive, so we're going to have fun today, and I hope you enjoy it. So let's go. 
First, let's talk about Bluff First. What's our mission? What are our core values? Well, our mission is the whole reason we exist. It's our main thing. Strategies change. Programs change. Staff come and go. All kinds. Logos change. All kinds of stuff changes. Our mission is not changing. Here's our mission. It's simple. Our mission is to reach people with the hope-filled message of Jesus Christ. That's it. Why are we here this morning? Not to sing songs. Not to just teach through the Bible, not to just, you know, be a country club and have friendships. Our reason for being is there are people who don't know Jesus. They don't know the hope that is in him, and we are here to reach them with that. How many of y'all know there is enough darkness and despair in this world? There is enough fear and violence in this world. There is enough tragedy and disease in this world. And people are putting their hope in all kinds of places. People are trying all types of things and believing that if they can just think a certain way and live a certain way and act a certain way, they'll be safe or they'll escape whatever and and they'll put their hope in those things. But I want to tell you this morning, all other hope fades. There might be something that lasts for a little while or prevents a certain calamity in your life, but only the hope that's in Jesus Christ lasts forever. That's it. The hope of um, unconditional love. The hope of the love of a father that would give his only son. The hope of of a savior that though he was sinless would become sin in our place and go to a cross for us instead of us because of us. That's the hope that we have. The hope of a Jesus that didn't stay on a cross and didn't stay in a tomb but conquered, rose and conquered hell, death, and the grave. That's the hope that we have. A living Jesus that sits at the right hand of the Father. A Jesus that nothing has escaped his sight. He's seen everything, and he's going to be the righteous judge that makes everything right. He's the Jesus that sent his spirit to be in all believers now, that that eternal, abundant life doesn't have to wait for heaven, but a different kind of life and a different kind of hope and a different kind of living can start right now. The hope of a king that's coming again to wipe away every tear and there will be no more hospital beds and there will be no more medical reports and there will be no more funerals. The only funeral there will be will be for death itself. And he will reign forever with his children. That's worth talking about. We don't care about politics. We don't care about preferences. We don't care about song style, worship style. What we care about is the hope-filled message of Jesus Christ. Religion can't save. Sunday mornings can't save. Nothing saves but Jesus. That's what we're about. If you don't like that, there are a hundred churches in Poplar Bluff. I think most of them also mostly care about Jesus. So you might be looking pretty far. That's our mission. Now, and and it's forever, like we're here to find God's lost kids, the hopeless, the struggling. That's our mission. We're going to quit that mission when we're dead, okay? That's it. But there's a lot of different ways we could go about that, right? Lots of churches are trying to reach people with the gospel, and they have different measuring sticks on whether or not they're doing that. And how do you count that? Like, do we count how many hands are raised at an altar call? Do we count how many people get baptized every year? And we do kind of count that. We celebrate that a lot. Do we count how many seats are full on a Sunday? Do we count how many dollars are in the offering? Like, how, how do you know? I'll tell you our measuring stick, okay? Here's how we know if we're fulfilling what God's called us here to do. We have three core values, 
And they are the things that we're praying for for every person that sets foot in this church. They are also the filters that we use to decide if we'll do something or not do something. So if there's something going on at Bluff First, I can assure you it's because of one of these three core values. If it's not, come tell me. We'll quit doing it. Okay? Everything we do is about these three things so that we can accomplish our mission. Our core values are that every person who comes to Bluff First could, number one, know God. We want you to be able to know God. That's kind of the whole point. Um, you can fit in and belong and, and, and make friends here without knowing God. We'll let you come. We'll let you have coffee. We might let you make the coffee, okay? Um, we'll let you get involved, but, but our goal, I'll be real with you, we have an agenda. We want you to know God. We want you to know your maker. You can know us, and that's cool, but if you know him, that could change everything for you. And I could, man, I could, I could spend all day, literally, um, and show you just dozens and dozens and dozens of passages and verses in the scripture that show you that knowing God is primary and it's part of his plan for your life. How many don't want me to spend all day doing that? I said don't want me to. Y'all going to let me do it all day? I won't, okay? I won't. Um, maybe in the coming weeks we'll spend some more time. Number two, in addition to knowing God, you were made to know others. You were made for relationship. And so the way we say it around here is we want you to know God. We want you to be able to share life. That comes from a verse in Thessalonians where Paul is writing to his friends and he says, we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, not just help you know God, but to share with you our own lives as well. Christianity is not a solo sport. If you could get your vision right and see the scoreboard, you would realize this is a team sport. You need relationships. You need Christian friendships. And so we work hard. And listen, it, it takes time. It takes hours. It takes work. It takes dollars to create things small groups and child care for the small groups and events and all different types of stuff for you to be able to have relationships because you need a team. And speaking of a team, not only do we want you to know God and share life, but the third core value here at Bluff First is step up. Everybody say step up. Now, I don't want you to be confused. We are not talking about the 2006 film starring Channing Tatum, okay, handsome as he may be. Side note, 2006 was 15 years ago. That's all. There's no point. I just wanted to say that. It's crazy. All right? But the third core value is step up. We believe that God has given you gifts, abilities, even your past, even your struggle. God has allowed you to go through that, and he wants to use it for his glory, for your good, and for the good of your neighbor. He wants to generously take what he's already given you to begin with and use it to make a difference. And so we're going to dive into those things in the coming weeks, but we want you, if you come here, we want you to know God, we want you to share life, we want you to step up. It doesn't have to be in that order, but we want those things for you. As for our vision, that's the right now of where God's leading us as a church. And the last couple of years we've shared vision that when we announced it, we were excited about it, but we didn't realize how much we needed it. A couple years ago, 2020, we said, hey, here's the theme, together. we got to be together. And God was speaking that to us long before we knew we, weren't gonna, we were going to be distanced. 
Long before we knew we were going to be on Zoom. Long before we knew we were going to be divided and we were going to be going through stuff as a country and as a planet that we've not experienced before in our lifetimes at least. Satan would try everything to tear us apart. God was telling us to be together. Um, Not too long ago, we talked about this statement. We said the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. We might hold on to that one. I'm not retiring that because I don't think we've gotten to the best yet. I don't think we've arrived. Tell somebody, we're not there yet. You know, your kids love to say, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Listen, bluff first. Are we there yet? No. Praise God for the journey. Praise God for where we are. But I just refuse to believe that, that, that Jesus' church, that the best days are in a photo album or the best days are in a rearview mirror. I think they're still ahead of us. Amen? And so we do believe the best is yet to come. But today as your pastor, if my voice will hold up, it is my job to tell you where we are headed right now. And I'm going to warn you up front, it's uncomfortable. And I know it's uncomfortable because oftentimes before God takes a church somewhere, he takes its leaders there. And he's been taking me there since about May 25th, and I have not enjoyed it too much. I have enjoyed it, but it has been uncomfortable. And so here's kind of our theme, our series, our emphasis, our vision for this season from God. God is calling Bluff First to deeper waters. Deeper waters. Even the sound of that's a little bit scary, isn't it? You know, we were at a, a little pool party this summer, and my daughter, she's three and a half, and she had her floaties on, and she's obsessed with trying to go to the deep end, which I don't understand, because she can't touch bottom in the shallow end. It's the same either way, but she wants to go to the deep end constantly, and you know, she's got her floaties on, she's fine, but I feel more comfortable if she's in the shallow end. You know what I'm saying? Like, if something were to happen, if she slipped out of them or whatever, I can just pick her up in the shallow end. In the deep end, I'd have to swim. And I don't really want to tread water. Anybody else? Like, I just don't want to tread water. I did not place gold in the 100-meter butterfly. I do not want to just swim. I'd rather just kind of be lazy. And so we were at the pool, and she kept trying to go down there, and I kept sending her back, and she'd try to go down, and I'd send her back. And finally, she said, Daddy, I'm ready for you to get out of the pool. I said, excuse me? She said, yeah, so I want you to get out of the pool so you won't tell me, don't go to the deep end. I said, you're about to get out of the pool. <laughs> you know, like, hold up. And, uh, but but it's, it's scarier. It's not as comfortable. It's risky to go to the deep end, to go to deeper waters. Turn with me, if you would, to Luke, uh, Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 5. While you're turning to Luke chapter 5, one of my favorite uh, people on the planet that I've never met, one of my favorite authors, you should read all of his books, his name is Bob Goff. I don't know if anybody is living life like Bob Goff is, but he had this quote a few years back, I think speaks to us this morning. He said, I think Jesus wants you and I to live right on the edge of yikes, right on the edge of yikes. That's where we find ourselves in Luke chapter 5. It's on the screen behind me too if you don't have... Uh, a Bible with you, or a phone, or whatever. As the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, don't you love that Jesus shows up and shares God's word, and there's a crowd that gathers. People show up to hear it. And he was standing by Lake, yep, Gennesaret. Listen, I'll tell you this, it's the, same, it's the Sea of Galilee. It's the same place. They have multiple words for things. So he's standing there, and he's teaching, and the crowd is pressing in. Now, here's the problem. Here's what's happening. 
Um, at first, it's no problem, but as the crowd gets bigger and bigger and bigger, it's harder and harder for him to see everyone and for everyone to hear him. And, and so he's scooting back and he's scooting back and he's scooting back and he, eventually he's you know, getting his toes in the water. He's, he's about to be just overrun by this crowd. And so Luke records for us that Jesus sees two boats at the edge of the lake. Everybody say two boats. And the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. That means these are boats that are done for the day. They're washing their nets. They're calling it a day. Jesus got into one of the boats. Why he picked that boat, I don't know. But he got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon. If you've been here in the last few months, we've been going through 1 Peter. This is Peter, Simon Peter. It's his boat. And Jesus asked Peter to put out a little from the land. Can we just get a push off? Let me just back up a little in the boat, a little bit, just so I can see everybody. And, and you know, you got nice acoustics here, like my voice will bounce off the waves and everyone will be able to hear my words. And so they push off from the shore a little so that Jesus can teach and preach to the crowd. And then he sat down, and you know, I love it, like Jesus just sits down and he teaches from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, you might as well underline this in your Bible, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Now, Peter had no problems letting Jesus use his boat. He had no problems pushing out a little from the shore. When Jesus says, hey, let's go out in the deep water in the heat of the day and let's try to catch some fish, Peter says, um, <laughs> excuse me, master, I don't know if you know, sir, we are professional fishermen, and we have worked hard all night long and caught nothing. The, the fish aren't out here. I love what he says. But if you say so, if you say so, Jesus, I'll let down the nets. And I, I don't know, I just, maybe there's faith there's definitely obedience and willingness. I don't know how much faith there is. I feel like Peter's skeptical. I feel like he's like, okay, the guys on the shore are going to be making fun of this one. We're going to go out in the deep waters, guys, and catch some fish. Whatever you say, preacher. But he's, but he's willing, at least. And verse 6 says, when they did this, when they went out to the deep, and when they let down the nets, they caught a great number of fish so much so that their nets began to tear. So they signaled to the partners in the other boat, remember there were two boats, to come and help them. And they came over and they filled both boats so full of fish that they began to sink. Now, if this is me in this moment, if I'm a career fisherman and Jesus shows up and says, try this, and we're sinking two boats full of fish, my mindset is... I've got the corner on the market in Capernaum for fish. We're opening along John Silver's on every corner. Like, we got to keep this guy around, okay? We are going to make some money. I would be ecstatic. But look at what Peter does. When Simon Peter saw this miracle, this great thing, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, because I'm a sinful man, Lord. For he and all those with him were amazed at the catch of fish. And so were James and John, Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's partners. And Jesus told Simon Peter, don't be afraid. From now on, 
You will be catching people. You will be fishers of men. And they brought the boats to land, left everything, and followed Jesus. There's so much to say about this passage. I will try to say more in the coming weeks. Ironically, in the start of deeper waters, I can't go very deep. But a few things quickly this morning. If you're a note taker, first thing I want you to see from this story, Jesus invites us into deeper waters with him. You know, he didn't start out in deep water. He started with, can I use your boat? And I think, you know, Peter could have said, no, there's two boats. Jesus is a gentleman. But he says, yeah, sure, you can use my boat. And he teaches the crowd. Thanks, Peter, appreciate it. He's got this floating pulpit now. He shares the word. But then there's this other opportunity. Apart from the crowd, apart from the big service, there's this more intimate opportunity. And Jesus says, I want to go out into deeper waters. Now, I'm not a fishing expert, okay? I'm more of like a pizza expert, you know? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not an outdoorsy guy, but I think we can acknowledge this of what we do know of fishing. Some of y'all are fishermen. This made zero sense to put out in the deep water in the heat of the day. Peter would have said, hey, uh, Jesus, we fished all night in the cool of the night, and we caught nothing. Uh, we caught a bunch of algae. We're washing our nets. We gave up already. We're exhausted. The fish aren't here. Let's be practical. I wonder how many of us miss out on what God wants to do because we're so practical. Jesus says this doesn't make any sense. They, they didn't show up in the cool of the night. They're not showing up in the heat of the day, in the deep waters. You're not going to catch anything. We'll look like fools. But whatever you say. And that's because deeper waters require deeper obedience. Notice there's no dialogue. Peter's quick to let Jesus use his boat to preach. No problem, preacher. Go for it. Go right ahead. But fish, master, we worked all night for nothing. We're tired. We're exhausted. We're stressed. This is pointless. But okay, whatever you say. And listen, I think Jesus would rather have a reluctant yes than no yes at all. I think he'd rather us just be a little afraid but obedient, feel a little foolish but obedient, than to just confidently stay with what we know works or doesn't work. And so here we are, and Peter is called to deeper obedience. You never know what Jesus might have for you when you say yes to him. And notice the blessing, the miracle, the, the boats full of fish. They're on the other side of the obedience. Jesus could have showed up and said, hey, catch some fish. Boom, now can I use your boat? Tell me thank you. Can I use the boat? But no, it's, it's later. And this is another sermon for another day, but you notice they catch so many fish. It's not, it, Peter's obedient, but it's not just Peter's boat that's filled. Other people around him are blessed by his obedience, by his deeper obedience. That's another sermon. But look at how Peter reacts. Again, I would have been, I would have been like franchising Captain D's, you know? But Peter says, get away from me. Depart from me. I'm a sinner, Lord. And here's something for you this morning. Jesus wants you to have a deeper vision of him. Peter did not just see the fish. He saw Jesus and who he was and what he was capable of. And it was terrifying. 
A lot of us never see Jesus for who he is because we're content to see a boat full of fish. We live in America and we've got a nice enough boat and we've got enough fish and we've got enough. And we say, thank you, Lord, for that. God bless America. But many of us, because we're so comfortable, have never been out into deeper waters with Jesus. And when you go out into deeper waters with Jesus and you see what he's capable of, it's awesome, it's amazing, but it's scary. And it's humbling. Here's Peter. He thinks he's the fisherman. He thinks he's in charge. He thinks he knows what's going on. And then he realizes he's face to face with the one who spoke the Sea of Galilee into existence. He thinks, oh, this is my boat. And then he realizes the cedars that boat was made of. Jesus is the one who tells those cedars to be. And he's terrified. And and I love this. Because in the presence of God, feeling so small, Peter falls to his knees. I'm a sinner. Depart from me. But does Jesus jump out of the boat and say, ooh, I didn't realize you were a sinner? No, 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 no. I knew exactly whose boat I was picking. And Jesus doesn't apart because he's not afraid of sinners. You need to hear that again. Jesus is not afraid of sinners. He came for them. And I got bad news for you if you're afraid of sinners. You are one. You are one. And he's not afraid of you. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, you know what? I didn't find you in the synagogue. I didn't pick you for your potential. I found you in the fishing boat. And let's be real, not doing that great of a job. Y'all were out here all night. What do you got? Nothing? That's okay. I can work with nothing. That's okay. I can work with empty nets. I can work with somebody that's tired. I can work with somebody that's frustrated. I can work with somebody that's tried everything else but is willing to give me a shot. Jesus is not afraid of sinners. He says, I got a plan for you. I got a vision for you, Peter. I'm not going anywhere. You're about to be with me. You thought the fish thing was cool? From now on, you're going to fish for people. And did he ever? Did he ever? After Jesus' death and resurrection on the day of Pentecost, it's Peter that stands up and preaches the gospel. And you talk about a hall of fish. 3,000 people in one day hear the gospel, repent, are baptized, and added to the church. 3,000 fish. What a catch. And listen, this morning, as the band comes, some of us have worked so hard, and we're so tired, and we're so frustrated. And we've not gotten the results we wanted. We've tried just about everything. We've even, man, we've even let Jesus use our boat a little bit. We've been around this thing, but we've not been out into deeper waters with him. And that's the question this morning. In the next year, in the next month, in the next week, will you follow Jesus out into deeper waters? Will you risk looking like a fool to do what he calls you to do. And you know what's crazy to me? These, these fishermen, these career professional fishermen, they have the greatest day of fishing they've ever experienced. They're going to be on ESPN3. Because that's where fishing is, right? <laughs> They're going to have stories, fish stories forever. This is the haul. And what does verse 11 says? They get to the shore... Two boats full of fish, and they leave it all and follow Jesus.
They leave it all and follow Jesus. Some of you would assume leave Jesus, then leave some of the things he's given you and done for you. But following Jesus is not about chasing blessings. It's not about chasing fish. It's about chasing him. And when we chase him, blessings follow. The psalmist said, this is my shepherd. He leads me. I follow him. And because I follow him, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. But it starts with, yeah, Lord, you can use my boat. Yeah, Lord, we can go out into deeper waters. It starts with, whoa, I see who you are. I'm a sinner, Lord. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve you. And Jesus says, that's okay. I can work with that. And we're going to get into what deeper waters look like at Bluff First in the coming weeks. But this moment right now is for you. So stand with me, if you would, across this room. We're going to sing a song I think is very fitting. And I just want to invite you to respond to the word of the Lord. I don't have anything impressive to say, but Jesus calls us out into the deep. Past our comfort zone past what we've done and what we've tried before, even in the midst of our frustration, even in the midst of our fear, our doubt, our exhaustion, our skepticism. And he calls us out and he wants to do something great. If we'll say yes, will you say yes? Will you say yes? And if you will, I want you to do whatever that looks like this morning. If that means coming and praying, if that means turning and talking to someone, if that just means lifting your hands and surrender to Jesus. Can we just spend five, six minutes going deeper with Jesus this morning? Can we do that? That might be square one for you. You're brand new. Put your faith in Jesus. Ask him to forgive you of your sin. Become a Christian right now in this moment. Or maybe you've been serving the Lord for years and you're just like, Lord, I want to go deeper than I have before. I'm sick of saying my best days were in the past. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Let's go to deeper with Jesus this morning. Let's think. Meet us, Lord. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For questions, prayer requests, and more information, please visit us on the web at blufffirst.com.